everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this Super Bowl Sunday and the day before Valentine's Day, a collision of days. Uh, but we've got a great show. We're going to keep you very entertained while you're getting uh, prepped for the big game tonight. Um, joining us as always is uh, Mitch Berliner, one of the co-founders of Central Farm Markets. We'll talk about what's up for Valentine's Day and and still time to get your Super Bowl in uh, at the market. Uh, uh, the folks from uh, Bethesda, Savor Bethesda Restaurant Week is taking place uh, February 17th to the 27th. Uh, Stephanie Coppola, no relation to Francis Ford. She's got an extra P in there. <laughs> from Bethesda Urban Partnership. And a bunch of folks, Donnie White from Alatri Brothers and Roberto Pietrobono, who is one of the owners of the Alazzo Group that owns Alatri Brothers, uh, is in. They're going to tell us what they've got special for that event. Uh, our favorite vegan baker is Doran Peterson. She's the founder of Sticky Fingers, and it really is DC's premier vegan bakery. Mm-hmm. And she's nodding, so I must be right. Um, she rebranded the company recently. She did a digital retail expansion. We're going to hear all about that. And she brought in some treats, which is really my top priority anyways. Uh, Philip Brandis founded Bravis. It's North America's first non-alcoholic craft brewery. We're going to find out how good it is. He sent us some samples. I had an IPA last night that was alcohol-infused, so I'm going to crack open his IPA, his non-alcoholic IPA, and see what's what. Uh, and Chef Liz Rogers... It's the best. She's the founder and CEO of Creamalicious Ice Creams. It's the only black-owned national ice cream brand. Uh, she's on the show today, um, but she didn't bring any ice cream because she's out in L.A., which makes my breaks my heart. Which is but, actually a good thing. You don't need it. But we're gonna we're we're gonna talk to Liz and find out how um, she's a Bengals fan. How Los Angeles is gonna win and okay. how good her ice cream is. And now let's go to Mitch. Mitch, Central Farm Markets on a, a nice day before you know. <laughs> Well, today is Saturday. Today is lovely. Tomorrow is Sunday. You just blew my whole thing. I I know. I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you do that. Mitch, Super Bowl Sunday. It's supposed to snow. What are you guys going to do? How's it going to work? Tell us what's happening. Well, thanks for having me once again. Appreciate it. Uh I could see you lovebirds are at it for Valentine's Day. Exactly. uh, Oh, you know what? I wonder what she got me. Uh So for Valentine's Day here today, um, we've got all four of our bakers have gone bonkers. They've got all kinds of goodies, heart-shaped bunt cakes, Linza tarts mm. in the shape of a heart, you name it. Our chocolatier has gone crazy. He's got all kinds of lovely truffles. Who's your chocolatier? Who's the chocolatier? It's um, Chocotango. Ooh. He is an award-winning chocolatier. It's bean to bar. He's fabulous. Fabulous. And um, in addition to that, we have flowers. So come on down. We have two of our wonderful growers uh, at the different markets. Mm-hmm. And so we have all kinds of arrangements or make your own arrangement, plant masters, summer set, etc. So come on down for Valentine's Day. And uh, of course, the example set by Well, and also, I want to say for Super Bowl, I mean, you have meat crafters, so a charcuterie platter is in order. Am I wrong? You are totally right. I even sent you a picture 
of our heart-shaped braziola, uh -huh. um, which is really, I hope you saw the picture. I it's did. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So we'll come on down. And besides the charcuterie from Meat Crafters, we've got all of our meat people, Meat Crafters, um, Hog Haven, Springfield, Liberty. We got steaks, right. chicken, stuck breast. I hate to do this to you, off. my brother, but we're going to cut you off because you should okay. do a whole, you could come in and do a whole show. Yes, because there's could. so much there. Okay, Mitch, tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you, please, at Central Farm Markets. Thank you. First, folks, uh, come on down and visit us. Go to centralfarmmarkets.com mm -hmm. for all details. We're open today on the, uh, at Nova on the parking lot of the George Marshall High School, right outside of Tyson's Corner. And of course, our flagship market, our 15th year at the Bethesda Central Farm Market on the parking lot of Bethesda Elementary School. So Great. come and visit okay. us. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks so much. Okay. Back so, in studio, Stephanie. Stephanie, Coppola. step up to that microphone. Stephanie Coppola is, is the, the person in charge at the Bethesda <laughs> Urban Partnership. Am I right? Um, uh, not really, but sure, we'll go that's with what that. I say. Like, yes, I am. I say, try Been and there over 20 years. I do so. to contradict me on my own show. <laughs> I will not. And she's uh, she's been our guest several times before. Savor Bethesda Restaurant Week is a, it's a great event. Um, why don't you give us the 411? Yeah, idea? actually, I'm gonna take oh, that here we back. Go, go for it. Before he lets you get <laughs> to that. Stop that. What? Um, so it's been a tough couple of years, and it how you do Restaurant Week has changed dramatically because of what's been happening with COVID and things look sure. like they're changing. Yep. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, I hope willing. so. <laughs> so how did you guys go about yeah, crafting so, it this year? Yeah, so a couple of years ago when we couldn't have Taste of Bethesda starting in the fall of 2020, there have mm -hmm. been all these restaurant weeks. That's sort of a you know standard industry thing. And we hadn't really been doing it in downtown Bethesda because we had Taste of Bethesda and you know, the restaurants have had been doing great and, and we certainly see that trend coming back, but makes no sense why we're not doing a restaurant week. So we are. And what we like to do in Bethesda is celebrate everybody from the small cafe, the little French bakeries to the lunch and dinner places. So, you know, we've got 25 restaurants. We're actually still taking more because it doesn't start until February 17th. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is to just get people eating in downtown Bethesda, trying new restaurants, supporting the restaurant community. You can get your food for dine-in or takeout. We mm -hmm. certainly hope they dine-in because then they can tip their waiters and their waitresses and they can have a few more drinks. But I all mean, of that stuff is to go to. Just a little 411, you should be tipping Yes, of course. Regardless. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? We all know what's going Absolutely. on out there. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So now who'd you bring in today to make us some So cocktails? I brought my friends from Alatri, who uh -huh. um, they also uh, own Alazo and Gringos and Mariachis. But Alatri is who's featured today. They're doing Restaurant Week and they have a great cocktail menu. Great. Okay. So Donnie is joining us. Hello. Hi there, you? Donnie. So you Thank made you us a much. bunch of cocktails. Tell us a little bit about the cocktail program at Alatri. Uh all the beers, almost all the beers are local. So mm -hmm. there's so many local When you say local, around. do you mean D.C., yeah. Virginia, Maryland local if or just Maryland? stick a pin and do about five miles around, mm -hmm. it, pretty much every, most of our beers are in that neck of the woods. And it's mm -hmm. amazing how many breweries there are right now. Oh, they're... It's great. It's, it's amazing. I know. And the, the, the Montgomery County's gotten a lot better about bringing them in and being able to get them in your house and mm -hmm. not be such a pain because sometimes Montgomery County can be a little rough about those things. That's why but those wine lists it's, are it's so been, difficult in Montgomery yeah, County. It's been great. And having them around is, has been wonderful. And they're obviously, these are kids you see every day because they're, they grew up around here. And so it, 
they come in and they bring their stuff. We actually brought some of their stuff today too. So Excellent. All right. So mm-hmm. I see you made a cocktail. Which cocktail are we starting off that, with? That first one is a London Calling. Okay. Uh, which I figured was going to be just a summer thing, but now it's still, it's lasted through the winter as well. It's, well I mean, uh, The Clash is a really good group. Well, all of our <laughs> drinks are named after uh, songs. Okay, which, great. And you can ask That's the boss. we named our marriage. You can ask the boss man about that. <laughs> Uh, but that first in London Calling, it's a, it ends up being a bit of a, uh, a mishmash. It's uh, 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 almost a mojito and almost a Moscow mule, but with some cucumber too. So we use fresh cucumber and fresh torn mint, Great. some gin, a little ginger beer. Shake the hell out of it and, uh, and play on, maestro. Boom. Yeah. All right. Well, so send don't bogart that drink. Yeah, let's, let's no way. That's on. all you. Go ahead and, and send it around. In send one it of our around. Favorite stuff. pastry chefs. And you were, yeah. you know what? Not only that, you. but you were one of. I think you were close to one of our first guests, wasn't she? On a show. What? When did you start Sticky Fingers? Like 150 years ago. Yeah, 150. I remember. Yeah. Because I was in my mid 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. No, but it. I mean. Long time ago. It was a long time ago. 1999 is the official year that I started. I opened the doors to my first store in 2002, expanded in 2006, opened a a restaurant under a different name in 2016. And this year we, well, 2021, we uh, launched our national um, shipping and distribution service. Well, talk a little about your background and and how you yeah. got into vegan. Not everybody. Well, so and I have a quick question. Yeah. So the term today is plant based. Plant based, yes. And is I, I it's a marketing term, obviously, but almost anybody who's coming in now. I mean, when we started in the business eighteen years ago, you know, it was like vegan. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you had to whisper it. The first right. time that we were on the Food Network, which was also one hundred and fifty years ago, was uh, we were not allowed to say the word vegan because of all the sponsors, right? So it was in conflict with the sponsors from Mm. butter companies, egg companies, meat companies, and nobody wanted to be associated with that. So everything had to be egg and dairy free. And now people- Isn't that funny? Yes, it's insane. Mm. I mean, just insane because you take one word and it just comes with all these connotations. Right, and plant-based now doesn't necessarily even mean vegan. It just means like kind of sort of vegetarian-ish. And that's (laughs) great. Whatever you need to do to get more plants in your diet and however you feel comfortable eating items that are free from eggs and dairy, I don't care what you call it, you just have to eat these cookies. But there's also been a shift Mm -hmm. in the consumer who does not look at something as plant-based or vegan as a negative. Whereas I think 20 years ago when you started, there were a lot of people who were like, no. Yeah, we had to convince people just to walk in the door and we did that by not using the word vegan, by... uh, basically producing and cooking, baking our food and letting people waft their way yeah, but in. But you have a whole new generation chocolate. now that's, that's acclimated to Open-minded that. Open-minded eaters, You've I got, like to call them. You know, fast food places like Burger King selling plant-based burgers. It's a different world. Yeah, and KFC. Yeah. It's almost boring now. It's almost not even I'm fun. I'm bored. Right, no, right. I'm really not. Right. Right. Like, I'm eating okay. your cookies. That's it. Now I'm adding butter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do something <laughs> crazy like traditional baking. Okay, so now, now but... Baking without traditional ingredients is hard because Absolutely. it's very scientific, it's right? It's much trickier. Eggs are little magical creatures that just do everything that you need them to do. And if you are replacing an egg, you have to work backwards. You have to know what you want, and then you have to know how to get there. So one of the things that we launched this year are 
our decorating kits so you don't have to make all of the items yourself mm-hmm. or you can actually get baking mixes. Is that what we're looking at? And that's what there. you're looking at. We have gluten-free. We have uh, traditional. I brought you a gluten-free and a regular a regular vanilla cake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have decorating ki- kits so we do the work for you so and you just make it So what made you fun. decide to go that route? Because packaging versus baking in-house, that's it's like another business. It is another business. It's very different. The baking is uh, more streamlined. We really were able to take the things that we're really good at, that we really enjoy, and that are very sturdy, <laughs> so they make it through the mail, and that are also our best sellers. So chocolate chip cookies, traditional brownies, sandwich cookies, vanilla cake, chocolate cake, cupcakes, everything that we've been known for, and now we're able to send it directly to your door. What well, was... Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Yes. I'm going to ask you a okay, question. Okay, go ahead. Well, you rebranded. I mean, you were in the middle of COVID. Was it a response? You said, okay, COVID has got us by the throat. What can we do that's going to yeah, we make actually, the register ring? We have always shipped our products, but it was more like, oh, yeah, we'll sh- we'll send that to you, right? Or we had some items that we could send. But um, once COVID hit, we really took that turn, and we were like, how do we survive this? How do we make sure that we can withstand the COVID Right. The, the now times and also work our mission and making sure that we can access people and work our mission, making sure that we produce and make items available that are free from animal products for everyone. So you've got a com- e-commerce site up there and yep. whole Sticky store. Fingers okay. Bakery.com. Okay, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. it. This is David and Nikki Nellis for um, It's Sticky in Studio. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to the Sticky Fingers lady, Doran mm-hmm. Peterson. You know, I don't know that you were like you were probably in the first wave of kind of mass mass wave of vegan um, uh, bakers, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there were people who did it at home, and it was like you know, mom and pop. Do are you? I mean, do people beat a path to your door now to find out how you did it and what you do and all of that? Yes, uh, I've. Yes, I'm the queen of vegan baking. I'm not the first, but I am Your the queen. Your tiara is lovely. Thank yes. you. It's tilted right now. It's good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm one of the first ones. I think back in 2000, 2002 when we opened our doors, if you Googled, which I don't even think Google was a thing. No. If you no, called you asked the Jeeves. yellow page. Yeah, you asked Jeeves. Jeeves. Right. And then if you called, you like looked in the yellow pages, maybe there were three of us in the right. country and now everybody is doing it. And what, it's part of the mission, right? Like showing people and showing other businesses that- it's a viable and acceptable. Well, so let's talk about well, just a delicious. little bit. And delicious. Delicious right. first and foremost. You can't yeah. do this if it doesn't taste good. Well, it doesn't it, taste you know, good. I mean, originally, it was, I mean, vegan stuff was kind of Horrible. flat for people. Because yeah. it was only associated with healthy baking. And if you really, then that's the thing that really kills me that has made the full circle is people are like, oh, but could you make something with carob and um, honey or, you know, flaxseed and I'm like yeah I can do all those things but they taste horrible and 20 years ago when that was the only thing you hated it and you hated vegan and so now I make delicious products with sugar and (laughs) chocolate and lots of fat and it tastes good so you can make your refrigerator carrot tahini cookies at home and you can bring me one but don't (laughs) and you can put them where the sun don't shine right (laughs) okay so can we just talk for a second though about the kind of ingredients you do use what is it that 
uh, if you're not using eggs, if you're not using butter, what are you using to create that effect? Yeah, so there are a couple things out there that people think will replace eggs, like applesauce. Applesauce is great for moisture, but that is more of a fat replacement in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Uh, so it's really good for muffins, but it's not good for cakes or cookies. Mm-hmm. It's going to make your cookies stale. David loves applesauce. Yeah, applesauce is delicious David in a bowl with cinnamon. <laughs> in the third person. person. Yes, go but ahead. The Pope and I. <laughs> yeah. We... Go ahead. I love using Earth Balance products. They replace butter, and that mm-hmm. is one of the most important things is getting that solid fat in there. People will also sometimes use coconut oil, which stales out. Um, it goes rancid It can get quickly. rancid, yeah. right. Yeah, so I don't really like using coconut oil that much for our baking in, you know, in production for shelf stability. What about the stuff like, because uh, there's all these new interesting sort of science-forward mm-hmm. products like Just Egg. yeah. And I mean, they're doing some really interesting things. So the cool thing about Just Egg is what you're doing is taking a legume and uh, legumes absorb water. They attract mm-hmm. water in the chemistry of it, right? So if you have a soybean, it will absorb a thousand times its weight in water, right? And then with that, it's there's protein and there's a little bit of fat and there's a little bit of uh, emulsifiers, which will emulsifiers, which will hold that water and that fat together. You know how you have salad dressing and it separates it, right? Right. If you throw a little seasoning in there, it's you're a to mad scientist. I love the science behind it. I could not have done any of this without a minor in um, food science. But why are you mad? Um, all okay. right. Well, let's make very sure, angry. I yes. want to. We want to make sure people know where to find you online and in the real world. Stickyfingersbakery.com. And uh, we have, as I said, the diner, which is going to be our brick-and-mortar storefront for everything. That and that's is on, in, on H Street. H Street, yep. Sticky Fingers Diner. We are rebranding, doing the renovation this week. So when you walk by and you see the Sticky Fingers sign, it used to be, it's farewell. Farewell to farewell. And <laughs> as you already know, I've already, um, we ordered uh, all your DIY kits for the thank kids you. for Valentine's Day. Yeah. So thank good, you. right? Thank you. We love it. Um, so anyway, thank you for joining us. We're so All right. happy for so, you. So because <clears throat> we're Italophiles on this show, we're going to go back to speaking with Stephanie Coppola and, and bring Roberto Pietrobono in this uh, to talk more about what's coming up in Bethesda. You know, for people that know Bethesda, it, Old Georgetown Road is almost like the Iron Curtain in many ways. It was. <laughs> it was in many ways. Uh, you have the, you know, the big hoop-de-doo federal realty on one side yep. you have a lot of the smaller independents yes. on the other side <clears throat> and the other side used to be it was kind of a desert for a while but there are great little restaurants and shops restaurant over there. yeah yeah it's um you know bethesda's Oops. interesting and we like to promote obviously both sides sure you know bethesda row is beautiful there's lots of outdoor dining there's great shopping um and so is Woodmont Triangle. I mean, we were talking earlier, I think almost every restaurant on Cordell Avenue is doing Restaurant Week, for example. And it's a lot of mom and pop restaurants. It's very multi-ethnic, um, very diverse. And you can, you know, probably spend a week just walking down Cordell Avenue and getting American food, Italian food, barbecue, dessert. I mean, right. you can get everything. And it's that's amazing. what we well, love you know, about dining in Bethesda. Well, I was going to say, I grew up in Bethesda and the, Francisco's restaurant was there and it was a pizza place. And I can't even think of any other restaurants that we ever went to there. And now you, you can't walk a block. Yeah, you I mean, get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the and other thing that we've added is we've brought um, outdoor concerts right into Woodmont Triangle, and they'll be coming back in June. So on Friday nights, you can come to Cordell Avenue or Norfolk Avenue or Streetery, and you can eat at a Latry or a Lazo, so and get your food and listen to live music. And we're just trying to, you know, keep the place alive. We learned that in June of 2020. Well, I have to tell you, I was down in Bethesda last night. It was alive. 
I was right by your gu- you guys. Uh, there was so much happening. Roberta, why don't you come up to the mic for a little bit because you you guys have quite a few restaurants and you've been a part of the Bethesda food and wine scene for quite some time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your concept? Well, lots of yeah. We um we opened in two thousand two actually just like Sticky Fingers. Uh-huh. So it was just a coincidence. We opened there, so I, I just realized that next month is our twenty year anniversary. Oh. Um, so we've been there, and then we opened our second concept in Silver Spring, which we just closed. And then um, we have the two gringos, one in Bethesda and one in Potomac, and as well as our uh, wood fire pizzeria, Alatri Brothers, which we have today with Donnie making our drinks. Okay. Well, Donnie, tell us quickly what you're making next. The next one is called Wake the Dead. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> I know, it's kind of a, a harsh name, but it's a lovely drink. <laughs> Uh, grapefruit juice and some old school ingredients too. It's uh, uh, along with along with our good Hendrix gin. There's also Cointreau and uh, Cochia Americana, which is a very good dry vermouth, and then some fresh, fresh grapefruit juice, uh, the ruby red grapefruit juice. It gets shaken all up, and in the end, we put our dehydrated fruits. We COVIDed that all up, so now most of our fruit is all dehydrated, and all right, uh, which. Has been one of the greatest ideas. Okay, well, you bring that drink on, and uh, while we're while we're imbibing (laughs) actual alcohol, we're going to talk about the removal of alcohol because um, what has been an incredible trend, not just locally but also nationally, is a change in how people consume traditional drinks that usually have alcohol in them. We've had lots of people in studio doing uh, low ABV cocktails and. mocktails or alternative, I don't know, there's lots of words uh, that people are using for that. But I'm very excited to be talking today about Bravis, which is a alcohol-free beer. Philip, let's get the 411 on Bravis. What is your background in beer and how did you get into brewing beer to begin with? Yeah, so, uh, you know, prior to Bravis, I was doing something probably the furthest removed from making beer and that was uh, software development. So, Away on the uh, can I be honest code. with you, Philip? If I had a dime yeah. for every person who came on this show who was in software development that's now in food, in, in I would else. be so rich. Right. The only other profession that's losing at that rate is is the law. All the lawyers want to be something else. That's but. also true. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's funny. I mean, you know, most people don't really associate technology with making beer, but especially with our process, the way we do things, uh, you know, it's all about data and, and all that fun stuff. So it actually took that uh, technology and created sort of this proprietary and new way to create non-alcoholic beer. We don't actually remove it like everyone else. We, uh, we just don't put a lot of it in in the first place. Okay. Well, so how does what, that work? Yeah. What does that mean? How does that work? Yeah. So, so you know, yeast uh, does two things. They, uh, and part of my language, they sort of uh, poop uh, CO2. And That's not a bad word, Philip. Not considering okay. what I just said. Yeah, you're good. You're yeah, great. So, so our still uh, uh, creates a little bit of alcohol and does all the and creates CO2 and all the other fun stuff. But I actually hired a molecular biologist during the process, and her and I developed this really crazy, almost like software development. We're actually talking to the yeast. We have these devices that really kind of listen and figure out what's going on inside those tanks. And that way, you know, you know, when you remove alcohol, you're essentially removing all the good things in making beer, a beer, you know. And so we don't want to do that. We wanted to. Again, just kind of keep everything very traditional in a way, just how craft beer is created. But what was it about doing that that was so important to you? I mean, do you yeah. did you see a trend and say, I want to hop on it? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, what was it about creating a non-alcoholic beer and then all these varieties of it that you thought was missing in the market? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I drink, but I did have a good friend. Uh, so I started the company in 2015. And back then, brewers were very obsessed with uh, putting, uh, you know, let's see how much alcohol we actually put into a beer. So Right, there were some strong IPA. ones out there. Yeah, yeah triple IPA. Let's take an imperial stout, you know, at 14% and barrel age it so it gets to 19, 20%. That's a cocktail. That's not even a beer. <laughs> beers are always about drinking them fast, you know, drinking them cold, drinking a lot of them. But my friend, uh, unfortunately, he drank a lot of these, uh, you know, triple IPAs and developed a problem and had to quit and was faced with very sort of poor choices. I mean, he was so embarrassed, he would sort of whisper to a waiter if we were at a restaurant, hey, can I have a, a non-alcoholic beer? And, you know, the table would sort of, you know, the record would scratch and everyone would look around, uh, you know, who is this guy? And even with the well, wait, I think he's table. hanging out with the wrong people if they're that but no, judgmental. I think, no, but I think it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Doran about vegan and how mm. there has been a cultural shift in yeah. acceptance for people who, you know, eat a plant-based life or people who choose not to imbibe but, alcohol. But aren't alcohol-free, uh, alcohol-free drinks and cocktails are, are big here in D.C. Yeah, that's how I started Right, this I know, I understand. So, I mean, there's a movement, there's a movement, you're... You're riding the crest of a of a good wave because it's not just you who decided to do it. There's a real market for it out there. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, that's hundred percent right. I mean, back then, I mean, we all went to high school and college, and you know, it was it was a, such a there's such a social stigma associated around with not drinking. Uh, but now it has totally changed. Uh, it was sort of headed that direction, but I think you know through the pandemic and everyone's sort of going through these, these sort of better for you. Uh, uh, beverages such as hard seltzers and hard teas and things like that in the mm-hmm. alcohol space. It well, just makes sense. I mean, yeah. Well, I think a lot of that also has to do with sugar intake, right? Like a lot of people are are realizing what's in some of the things that they're drinking and mm-hmm. what that looks like. Listen, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about how you went about actually crafting all these beers because there's so many, you have so many varieties, which is um, your skews are amazing. So this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We are drinking in studio, but what we're drinking is not buzzing us. So we're in good shape. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Philip Brandis, who is the founder of Bravas. It's North America's first non-alcoholic craft brewery. Now, before we took the break, Nikki um, uh, wanted to talk to you about how you sort of went at this, and I think my question dovetails with that because you've got a menu of non-alcoholic beer flavors here, and I just want to hear like how you developed that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you say yeah. So, so since it's a, sort of a new category, I, I feel like I jumped in, you know, I jumped in the DeLorean and then go back some time, back to like you know, 10, 15 years ago when craft beer first came out. Mm-hmm. I say, look, you know, what has been popular? What has worked? You know, what does someone who, who doesn't normally drink or, or drink at all, you know, what would they enjoy? And it's been an interesting ride to say the least. I mean, IPA, right. You know, if someone invented the IPA, they're in, they're in a good shape uh, right now. So start off with an IPA and then, you know, need a stout to complement that. And then really after that, it was just kind of looking at what's popular and sort of applying our little twist to it. But I mean, peanut I butter, dark, really peanut butter, dark raspberry. I, I'm saying ghosts. Is that, is that goes? Goes, yeah. Goes okay. What is all that? What's this one? A blood yeah. orange IPA? You got oatmeal? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I think, you know, as, as we kind of move forward in this category, we see a lot of people kind of taking old technology, again, removal, making your standard type stuff. You know, they're going to try an IPA. They're going to try a stout. But really, our process lends r- really well to creating just crazy, you know, crazy flavors. I mean, my favorite 
uh, part of this job is to sit in the lab and I have a whole, you know, like shelves and shelves of just really cool flavors and extracts and, and things like that and fruit and it's just it's it's so fun. Just that's my favorite part of it, is creating the beer. And so, as far as getting your beers out there, how uh, what's your uh, target market? Are you looking to be in restaurants? Are you looking to be on shelves? How are you rolling it out? Yes and yes. <laughs> yes and yes. yes. <laughs> well, but so, you yeah, know, how are you doing it? I guess is my question. Sure. Yeah. So when we first started, uh, because it's not alcoholic, we actually a big part of our business is uh, direct consumer, so e-commerce. Okay. And it allowed us to sort of get out the beer to you know every corner of the nation. But of course, uh, rule number one, uh, first day of e-com school, they tell you don't ship heavy cans of liquid uh, very far distances. You'll go bankrupt. Mm. So. You know, it's, it's really a shipping company with a, a drinking problem sort of thing, but <laughs> it really is amazing. People are not, you know, to, to have something that's quality in the market now, they're not very price sensitive when it comes to that thing. So uh, we'll, we'll strap cases and cases and cases and send them out all over, you know, all over the country, Alaska, Hawaii too. So we started with DTC and DTC was great because it gave us data. Uh, who drinks this? Why do they drink it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. What color underwear they're wearing? It's really crazy how Black. much data you can right. get from from uh, ecom. And so uh, we were almost like, but but again, at the end of the day, they're waiting a week, sometimes ten days, to eco- east coast to get beer. And so I really wanted to get away from that, really go towards traditional wholesale, right? Because who wants to you know wait that long and pay a lot for shipping? But really, through the pandemic, oh my gosh, it was like all about DTC. So um, you know, right now it's. We still love that business. We're doing our building out our wholesale too. So I think both channels are, are doing pretty well. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, particularly on the direct to consumer side, did you just rely on the internet and what was your advertising strategy there? You know, it's funny. I think it was really easy uh, in the beginning. Um, again, it sort of allowed us to get out to, to all sort of corners. And then, um, you know, it was really you know, typical search engine, social media type stuff, mm-hmm. really a lot of word of mouth as well. You know, when something, the Facebook groups, you know, when someone comes out with something that people have been sort of looking for for a while, it's uh, they came to us, uh, sort of speak. Did you ever try DRTV? Just, I'm just, I mean, that's... yeah, you know, I, I thought about it. Um, I'm not, you know, it's something that's uh, we're always looking for new and exciting ways, but I think the, the, the difficulty for us, and maybe this kind of also talks to the vegan stuff. Is there there is a stigma, not just like yeah. the idea of, of not alcoholic, but the taste and the, and the quality. So we're really fighting against that. And so it's the hardest thing to get that can into someone's hands. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they taste it, you know, you can see their whole demeanor change. But don't you so, think you know, there was so much bad stuff out there? It was mass produced. Yeah. The big companies did it. Uh, you know, right. a small company like yours wasn't the one who was taking that shot and putting the care and time in it to make a right. product. Yeah, and, and the right. only alcohol-free beers that I think I, I'm even aware of, is it called Konisberg? Is that the one that's always in the restaurants? No, Odul's. Yeah. Isn't it Odul's? No, no, Odul's, there's an Odul's. Right? Everybody's shaking their head, but, right? But, but, I mean, this stuff, I mean, with all the different flavors, and we popped open every can in the studio. Yeah, everybody's having a nobody's good Nobody's drunk, and everybody has a smile. Well, I mean, so, I'm drinking the cocktails, so. <laughs> Look, I think, I think half the battle is giving someone uh, something to enjoy that looks like a beer, it tastes like a beer, uh, you know, for us, we do this, um, we do this barrel, we actually have a barrel aged non-alcoholic stout. It's this crazy idea I had a couple of years ago. We call it Gravitas. Uh, and it's really something that it's in its nice black 510 milliliter champagne bottle. 
I hand cap it, I hand fill it, I hand label it. I do, it's a huge pain in the butt. I do a thousand rum every said, year. But. But look, it's, it's the first beer that people are actually proud and not embarrassed to put on their holiday table. Well, uh, I got to be so, honest. I mean, first of all, large format beers became really popular a couple of years ago. I have not heard of any large format beers that were alcohol free. So you're definitely right. tapping into a trend that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Listen, we do have to wrap up with you. Uh, what you're doing is really interesting yeah. and amazing. Tell everybody where they can find you, please, online and on Instagram. Sure. Yeah. So online at Bravis.com, uh, available in the D.C. area through mm-hmm. Total Wine. Great. And uh, yeah, at Bravis Bruco. Excellent. Thanks, Philip. Thanks for your time this morning. Yep. Congrats on all and you're doing. And it tastes good. <laughs> all right, Stephanie, we're going to head back to you. So now right. that uh, Saver is coming out, yes. what does it look like? I love that you're incorporating like little coffee shops because, you know, it is a neighborhood area. So it's not just like big brand restaurants. Right. It's not just big brand restaurants. Um, we have great little French bakeries in Bethesda. We have independently owned coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Um there's places, like I said, for dinner, for lunch, places you might not have thought of because mm-hmm. um, we know people come to sort of the very well-known restaurants in Bethesda. And, of course, we want you to continue to do that. But the idea is to try, you know, a smaller restaurant you hadn't thought of yet mm-hmm. and to, you know, obviously support the restaurants and find a place you love and come back. OK, so at Alatri Brothers, since you guys haven't been in studio before, tell us a little bit about the concept and the kind of food you're executing there. Well, we have it's a wood fire pizzeria. We have um, a lot of family recipes. You know, my, we're from Alatri, which is a small town in Italy that even Italians probably have never heard of. Um, and um, we have amazing uh, limoncello pepper pepperoni wings. Um, mm. And our specialty is the pizza. Mamma mia! Yeah. Why didn't you bring those in? But so is is for that region. Is it in Neapolitan style? What would you? How would you categorize the it style is Neapolitan. of that pizza? Our, our town is right between Rome and Napoli. So, mm-hmm. I, yes, it is a Neapolitan style pizza. Okay. And yeah. is there certain things that you feel like you're doing there that harkens back to your hometown? Yeah. I mean, where, where we're from, we, you know, there's a lot of Neapolitan uh, pizzerias, but we also do Roman style too, which we might uh, delve into a little later on. We do, it's called Pizza Altario, which not a lot of people are doing, pizza but the piece. Right, right. Yep. And, um, so is that like square like they do in Rome? Like, yeah. you know, when you hit the tour shops in Rome, like it's square right. and they fold yeah. it over? It's probably not good for radio, but basically there's like an Italian mm-hmm. guy that kind of does with yeah, his hand it. chopping down. And yes. then you say, yes, they're there. And then you take it, you fold it over, eat it like a sandwich. I love that. And that's how we grew up. Uh-huh. Um, so Starving. maybe eventually we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's been an amazing uh, experience. We have a, a nice heated patio mm-hmm. and uh, that we share with uh, Gringos next door. What was there before? Mia's. Um, Mia's. It was a Mia's place before. The heritage there, that Mia's Pizzeria really got that location started. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was, it was, yeah. Yeah, Melissa did an amazing job there. And, you know, she's on to greener pastures. Yes, I guess she, she is. Yeah. So, <laughs> she's probably in Italy right now. Yeah, yeah she could be. Yeah. What's great is they have a shared patio, as Roberto mentioned. So you also have live entertainment, I think, on yeah, Thursday night. Thursday so. night, yeah. It's a great little spot, and you yeah, can it is. go that back and forth. We should, but we should book my band. Okay, he doesn't have a band. There's no band. Start one. Okay, uh, what cocktail are we having next? The third one is, this is the big one. It's uh, called Il Tramonto, mm-hmm. and it's a mezcal, very, very smoky Wait, mezcal. Tramonto? Il Tramonto. Is that an earthquake? No, it's a sunset. What's an earthquake? Anyways. I don't know. Please <laughs> so, get your language. So it's, a, it's a very smoky time. mezcal, along with a uh, a local uh, a local amaro. It's a local walnut amaro from uh, Don, Don Chicho and Feely. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's um, great. He's great. We love him. And God him. love the guy. Brought it over last night, so we were uh, thrilled about good. it. And uh, yeah, but that's a big one. That's uh, 
All right. It's All right. All right. Well, we're going to come back to you guys at the end. And now we're going to talk about ice cream. Yeah. I'm so well, excited. I'm very upset that this guest isn't in studio with us. So Liz Rogers <laughs> is the founder and CEO of Creamalicious Ice Cream. Um, it's the only black-owned national ice cream brand, and um, it's the only ice cream brand this morning that's breaking my heart because she's not here. So, Liz, why don't we talk about you and your background and how you got into how you ice cream? got into cream. ice cream. Like, who isn't? But I, go ahead. Yeah, I am an executive chef and restaurateur by trade. Um, so I've been doing this for about 20 years, and uh, ice cream is the world's number one dessert. And I've always wanted to do something a little bit more innovative, uh, very different. Uh, Creamalicious is a two-in-one ice cream. It's the only two-in-one ice cream on the market. Mm -hmm. uh, we take fresh baked pastries from the South, four generations of family-owned recipes, and we bake them in their entirety, and we kind of put it in a pint. So it's kind of like killing me. kind of girl. Okay, so oh. tell me what that means. So, like, <laughs> what kind of pastries are you baking up first and then mixing into your ice cream? Okay, so like the peach cobbler that we have, it's a um, it's roasted peaches, and then we make a buttery crust, yeah. and you know we 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 put them in the pint. So each one of those things, those are called inclusions. Mm -hmm. They're put in the pint um, as as they would come in a peach cobbler. So it's kind of a deconstructed kind of way of like putting peach things a la mode. in the pint. So does it get whipped around, or is it a chunk in there that you can sort of? Pull off a piece with your yes, ice cream. There, there's chunks of crust oh, God. and like pe the, the pecan pie. There's there's the gooeyness <laughs> of the pecan pie, the pecans, the crust. It's I'm all dying. Like, it's really a culinary inspired dessert. So. It I sounds mean, like it sounds like yeah. a, a two o'clock in the morning inspired dessert to me. But <laughs> that's just me. Um, okay, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear sort of about how you went from like baking in a kitchen and creating in a kitchen, and then executing it for mass production. I mean, we were sort of talking about that in the beginning of the show with Doran and what she was doing. And this is sort of similar in that way because it's a really different with what you're doing, yeah. like, you know, in a big kitchen compared to, you know, shipping it out to everybody. So this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're talking about some really sweet desserts. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Chef Liz Rogers, who is the founder and CEO of Creamalicious Ice Creams. Uh, you find them in Walmart, Target, there's in supermarket freezers around the country. Right, so David could go and get his own. But not, point. not in my freezer yet, but will be <laughs> okay. shortly. Shortly. I promise I, you I'm going to send you some He ice doesn't cream. need you to send Only if you hand deliver it after okay. the Super Bowl. So, Liz, let's just talk you. about it. So you were uh, a chef and you were, so were you a pastry chef or uh, uh, all-purpose No, chef? I am what you would call your kind of all-around chef. I don't mm -hmm. really specialize. I'm, I'm just kind of like good at a little bit of everything if I'm okay. inspired. I am still a chef today at my restaurants. I do practice uh, chef chef stuff all over and do a lot of consulting. So, um, yeah, this actually started uh, in my restaurant. This mm -hmm. actually started, you know, in the restaurant, getting feedback from customers, seeing how they would like it, uh, and then working with some food scientists and then going to a manufacturer. So, you know, the recipes and the formulas had to be created first. Sure. Uh, and in order for you to mass produce. Because... You talked about a lot of the uh, your pastries are southern based. Correct. What was it about that that was so important that you wanted to mix into these ice creams? 
Well, most of my family's from the South and just wanted to tell really amazing stories of the South and just family and better times and, and just historical, you know, when you really look at things, you know, a lot of the desserts have a lot of history, mm -hmm. um, like Aunt Pony's caramel pound cake. She was my godmother. So all of Cream Malicious wow. Pints have real authentic characters. They have stories. They're real. They're about real people in real times. And my godmother, she baked all of her pound cakes in the cast iron skillet. That mm. skillet was passed down from family, from her mom's mom to her mom to her daughters. And this cast iron skillet is about a hundred years old. Cool. So, you know, if yeah. you really think about all the things that you know, it really encompasses just a lot of history um, with the porch light peach cobbler. You know, my mom, we all grew up and we went away. And I remember just always coming home and the porch light was always on because no matter how far we, you know, went away, we always found ourselves coming back home at That's some point sweet. and we were always That's welcome. Sweet. So there's just so many stories about cream malicious and the flavors and the pints. It really is more of an experience. Mm -hmm. we're, we're like Disney. We're the storytellers. We really bring the the consumer into the pine and give them more more of an experience well I, let me a little bit of a digression talk you you have restaurant or restaurants in la we don't have any any real info on that <laughs> tell us about that i do not have any restaurants in la today but i would love to have one. Oh. Um, but i do have restaurants in cincinnati ohio oh. um one of my restaurants is called wing champ and we specialize in southern cuisine but we really do wings they're smoking oh, now i know That's why you want the bengals to win all right, all, right. all right i'm so sorry you'll be disappointed um it's okay. uh, I, don't know. I have to be honest i don't know why he cares like, no no because i want matthew stafford to finally have his day but that's okay. that's I don't care. beyond I don't this show um how do you pick the the flavors for your ice creams i mean you can oh yeah do how do you match how do you match the the yeah, pastries that you're doing you know, the slap your mama banana pudding, you know, it tastes so good, make you want to slap your mama, but just don't slap the cook because she just might slap you back. You know, it's all about. That's, that's really what all, all our kids say about Nikki. It's a story for me. It's, right. it's, it's, it's the inspiration. You know, I, I, I do America's favorite desserts, things that people can relate to, pecan pie, you know, sweet potato pie, peach cobbler red velvet cheesecake, different things like that. You know, we have a, we, we have a apple cobbler coming out soon and a strawberry crunch cake. You know, I didn't go to the market with vanilla chocolate and strawberry. I let everybody else do that kind of stuff, but we do have a vanilla chocolate strawberry coming out at some point, but it's my rendition of what I think vanilla chocolate and strawberry should, should be. Taste like. I'll just take a bucket so like, of the caramel but, pound cake. So as you were creating the ice creams, it sounds like they're really about the baked good. And the ice cream is just yeah. what's holding them in place, right? But it's really about a family yeah. history. That, it's, that's what's it's even... about two. It's about a two-in-one dessert. It's about the fact that you don't have to decide. Decide you can have the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty much what it's about. And you don't was have to it? Choose. And was it hard for you when you got the product where you wanted it to be? Was it hard for you to then relate that to? you know, a mass producer in order to get the finished product to be where you wanted it to be? No, because I actually, because I'm a chef, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, and it's culinary inspired, the brand is very personable. It's, it's tied to someone that's in a culinary space, you know, um, it's not tied to 
uh, venture capitalist investor kind of like this is a great oh, deal. Are you I throwing shade that. at our previous guest? It sounds like you're throwing shade at mm. our previous guest. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it's a difference, you know. So when we when I actually worked with some food scientists who knows a whole lot more than me and specialize in these things, they were able to really bring my vision. We worked together and it, it was able they were able to bring the vision to life, you know. So then from there, you have to have your own formulas and recipes. You just can't go to a manufacturer and say, hey, I need you to make something because then you you just be a private label person. And I'm really that person that if you want to create something, you come to me and then we create and then you do the label thing. Because if you if you don't, what will happen is if someone decided not to, you know, do your ice cream anymore, you'd have to go and find it. Find it all over again. Right. right, 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 right. It never take the thing. So all right. Well, this is amazing. It's so good to learn about your product and the stories that you have behind them, because I think you're right. That part is so important. So in on each container, do you have a little story in there? Are the narratives there? Yes. Each container, you know, it has a story of uh, pretty much where the desserts originated from, like the Uncle Charles Brown Sugar Bourbon. You know, he's the coolest uncle. Everyone has an Uncle Charles. He may not be named Uncle Charles, uncle but Mel. he's just the coolest uncle. He, he has a stash of liquor with him. He has his hat. And he's just the, that favorite uncle of, of us all, you know, in the family. And it just really goes into, you know, how everything was formed. And, it, and you know, it's, it's a multicultural brand mm -hmm. that just so happens to be owned by an African African-American woman. So, you know, we don't lead with that. We lead with the fact that this is a great product. It's in the two top retailers in the world. It's national. Uh, we're in about 15,000 points of distribution and uh, just a story of perseverance. Excellent. Hey, um, will you please tell us where we can find you online and on Instagram, please? Sure. Yeah. Anything with uh, So Cream Malicious is the tag. SoCreamMalicious.com. Mm -hmm. Chef Liz is my tag name for social media. And you can find us in Target, um, Rouse's. Uh, you can find us in uh, Walmart, um, Jungle Gyms. We're in Schnucks. We're, we're in Meyer. We're Okay, we're you're everywhere. <laughs> we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We got you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, and congrats on all you do. It's and I just want to say in advance, so I'm, I'm sorry about the sorry okay. about the Bengals. Okay. Okay. Bye, a, sorry about the That narrative is so over. <laughs> so okay. Much. All right. Back to Savor Bethesda. Well, first of all, this drink should be called Raise the Dead. This would raise the dead. <laughs> Good Lord. Did you try that? Yeah, I did. It was Yummy. Good. That's mm. a, I think they're know, all delicious. That's the varsity team. Right. No, <laughs> that's right. Well, I've got my letter. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so Stephanie, just quickly yes. before we go back yeah. to the restaurant guys, just tell us like what the pricing looks like for restaurant week and how you're sort of rolling it out. Yes. Year. So it um, it's, as, as you mentioned, it's February 17th through the 27th. Mm -hmm. You can see all the restaurants and menus on our website, which is Bethesda.org. Mm -hmm. And the price points are $10, $20, and $35. Okay. So it's definitely a lunch, dinner, or as we talked about, small bakery, cafe kind of place. Right. Too. So everybody gets a, a way to be involved. Yes. Which I think is yep. great. So now how is Alatri Brothers participating in restaurant week? What are you guys doing? Uh, right you got to talk at the mic. Yeah, right now we're doing. We have a um, a thirty five dollar price point on our um, on our menu that includes an appetizer, a pizza, and a dessert. Hmm. Uh, we are going to have um, a lower priced uh, menu items um, coming out probably the next day or so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just a great. Um, I, I like the concept that the the pricing can be different because in the past, you know, Restaurant Week started a long time ago in D.C. I believe. Yeah. It was always thirty five dollars, and there wasn't a yeah. a 
place for moderately priced restaurants. Well, you right, because you could put the, you could put that on the menu, but was it really was it a it wasn't value? A deal. Yeah, it wasn't for, a deal. Right, it's exactly. almost like you had to raise your prices to meet Restaurant Week, which didn't make any sense. Right. So this makes all the sense in the world to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I find it so. Maybe you should do a restaurant week with just the cocktails, right? That's a great idea. <laughs> Maybe do a yeah. There are some tasting. very, very you know, good cocktails in downtown Bethesda. Bethesda. It could be called Stagger Bethesda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, work like on, we'll work on the title. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe that's not exactly what you want to do. But the concept idea. I love. It's a very good idea. Um, yeah. Lots of great cocktails at the restaurants. Yes. No, there is a, I mean, there is a big scene in Bethesda for cocktails. Come. Can you tell us just a little bit? We have like a minute left. Was there, when you guys opened up Velatri, were you really thinking of a cocktail program as a part of the restaurant's offerings? Yeah, I mean, we really wanted to to um, bring in the local, we really wanted to bring in the local breweries because they were just coming out. I mean, I think it's been like probably five, maybe mm-hmm. five, ten years um, that they were really coming into their own. So we thought that we should really... Um, advertise them and try to bring them on and and um so you know cocktails are always part of the the restaurant business i mean it's just uh, no but there's a dedication yeah. now for a lot of places to have a specific cocktail program instead of someone being like oh i just want a negroni right. you know you you've come up with what like all these fabulous cocktails you've come up with a names and and what's important to you and the kinds of ingredients you're putting in there there's a real thought process to yeah it. we're always trying to uh, put together different concoctions with uh, mixers and you're always trying to push the envelope and try mm-hmm. to do something different great okay yeah. tell us where we can find uh Lottery brothers uh on instagram online uh just a Lottery bros um on Instagram and uh, LotteryBros.com. Excellent. And we're all over the place. Great. On Cordell okay. Avenue right across Cordell, the street yeah. from the dry cleaner. Okay. Correct. And Stephanie, Correct. tell everybody where we can get all the information. Yes. Go on to Bethesda. Bethesda. Yep. Please go to Bethesda.org. Um, mm-hmm. Saver Bethesda is all over the homepage of our website. So Great. you can see all the restaurants, the menus, the deals, and eat your way through downtown Bethesda. February 17th. Maybe that should be hashtag eat your way through. I love it. (laughs) Well, so we want to thank all of our guests for joining us today in studio. We did learn so much about so many things. Um, Tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, have a really good time. You can drink non-alcoholic beers. You can drink regular alcohol beers. You can drink all fabulous cocktails. So many things to order for Valentine's Day. Get your uh, orders in. Hurry before it ends. Uh, And just a little plea out there. You still have to wear a mask. You do need to show a vaccination card. And please take your kindness pills because it's rough out there in the restaurant industry. And everybody's just trying to do the best they can while they can. Check out what's happening at Saver Bethesda. Don't miss what Doran's doing with Sticky Fingers. All good things for all good people. Uh, Again, thanks for joining us and have a delicious week.